All right, this is The Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. We have a uh, special guest, Sean J. West, a person who is uh, well-known within the Bay Area theater community. Mm -hmm. Sean J., how are you doing, man? I am doing good. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. You are an actor. You are a director. You're a singer, too, as yeah, well. Yeah, didn't we have somebody bragging about him not too long ago? I think so. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm a singer. I sing, but I am not a singer. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, you are, uh, I think you and I, uh, you directed me. We did the Playwright Center for San Francisco. Yes. And uh, also, uh, you are about to sugar in, the, sugar in Our Wounds. You'll yes. be directing that at the New Conservatory Theater. Yes. Mm. Start so, next Sunday. Yeah, mm. that's going to be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing for you. When is the first time you and I met? And it wasn't at the Playwright Center. Oh, I have no idea. Oh. Wasn't it an audition? Yes, it was. Which audition would that have been? Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to keep you in suspense. It was uh, Dream Girls. Oh. Dream Girls happened after that. Where? Huh? Dream Girls happened after that. Is that right? Yes. Oh, uh -oh. wow. Uh -huh. I could have sworn it was before. Yeah, because I did Dream Girls last year, 2018. At Alt No, Dream Girls? Yeah. No, it was a uh, Berkeley Playhouse. Berkeley Playhouse. You know what? You're absolutely right. But yes, you and I auditioned for that. Yes. I, I, I guess my time lapse was a little bit off, but yeah. Mm. But I don't even know if you remember to see yeah, it. Yeah, we were in the hallway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I don't know if we did. You actually do that? I did. I ended up playing. Uh, oh my gosh, Marty. Marty. Yes. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Which well, one I mean, is Marty? Marty is the agent to Jimmy Early. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Mm. Soul, the sage. <laughs> mm, mm. No, that was fantastic. And, and we've just been ships passing in the night for yes. years. For years. <laughs> it's like, what? Well, I know that person, but I don't know that person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know Sean J? <laughs> Technically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how the theater, Bay Area Theater is. Either you know someone or you know someone who knows someone. And eventually, you know, it's, it's a nice little it, tapestry. It all comes together. Yeah. All right, as I begin every week. Well, I have a test for you this time. You, you would ask me what's new with me. Yeah. Today is an important birthday. Uh-oh. Uh, historical figure? Mm, kind of. Okay. It's not you. Uh, you got to tell me. Oh, come on. You know <laughs> this. You're a historian. You know this. Oh, goodness. It's not Richard Wright. Mm-mm. Uh, no, I don't know. The first. The first? First president. Oh, Washington. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it happens to be Mara's birthday. Ah, I see. So well, I think we went to skates. We yeah. went to skates last night uh -huh. and um, had a nice little dinner. And her yeah. friend was playing there. And I'm pointing to the guys in the band. And you know those guys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know them. Um, the bass player, she just did another thing with. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I remember that. And uh, turns out the drummer, she recommended. Mm. <laughs> For the gig. So I'm like, I'm just sitting there going, and she's just so casual about it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's my wife. Nah, there you go. Um, <laughs> the Pebble Beach thing, what was it, two weeks ago, the Pro-Am? Yeah. Uh, Macklemore was there. I, oh. Not that I know a yeah. single song by Macklemore, but Macklemore was there. Yeah. And played. Mm. Guess who backed him up? Who's that? My wife. Oh, well, hey, there you go. She's and so up. she's like, uh, yeah, there are these country guys, and you know, we played, you know, whatever they wanted to play. We just played. Uh huh. Like, well, that sounds <laughs> like money. Sounds like she made. Oh, it, it was the money was good, but I'm. It's also like this was in the press every day during yeah. that. Uh huh. And you know, Macklemore, Macklemore goes to the pro am. Blah 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 blah. Uh huh. For her, it's oh yeah, there's some country guy. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> crazy. 
There you go. So, yeah, there's that. And then I was telling you on the way up that um, so we are earlier because I was supposed to have an audition. And I sent in to go ask some questions. The director gets back in touch with me and is like, can you just make callbacks? And I'm like, oh, that's the best. They're like, oh, I hope so. I'm like, what role are we talking about? Because honestly, I looked at the roles and I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure y'all going with a white guy for the lead. The guy who opposes him is supposed to be a young guy. That would not be me. And then there's a couple of other characters who are sort of in throughout the piece. But are you going to waste an equity contract on that? You might. You might not. I was like, mm. you might be going up for the lead. Uh, it's, it's, this is Randy King's house. I, I'm pretty sure Randy King gonna be lead, <laughs> but but we'll see. Yeah, you know, I'm what, like, what's, what's the playhouse? Uh, it's a uh, San Jose stage. Okay, have you yeah. been there, Sean Terry? I've seen shows there. Okay, yeah, me so, too. Yeah. Well, All righty. Well, we can jump into uh, current events. Actually, let's do the because I always forget it. And I always do it at the last minute. Oh. So two years ago. <laughs> He must torture me. Yeah, two years ago, we had on the yay this person. Well, I actually grew up up in the northern suburbs of Detroit. (laughs) I grew up in a very... My boy! My son, James Baldwin. Tom Dewey. Tom Dewey, yeah. Who is now in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. And blowing it up. Yeah. That man is producing like crazy. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And one year ago, we had this person. I mean, like, personally... I, be, I didn't start transitioning until I was in my mid-20s mm-hmm. in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And a, lo- a lot of that is because, not Karen, because is of the it? Internet, I was no, able to actually you're, like, you're do close. research and okay. like, reach out to like, other people. Oh, oh I, I don't know the name, but I remember. I think. Sherilyn Conley. Yes. Who uh, I've known her uh, from the Dark Room, Dark mm-hmm. Room Theater. Mm-hmm. And so those are the two uh, transgendered uh, ladies that we've had on. And there we go. That was two years ago, and that was one year ago. <laughs> Current <laughs> events. Well, so what do you think about uh, the pardons that's been going on? Uh, Trump is just – Trump calls himself the uh, – Ow. Must we start with that? Damn. <laughs> Ow. Ow. I can't wait for this election. Yeah. Let's, get to, let's do this. <laughs> you know, what's interesting, what I find interesting is he's selecting not only his Republican friends but also Democrats. You know, he's, he's making a calculated choice like Rod Blagojevich. Right. And uh, I think there was Eddie DeBartolo. <coughs> right. So he's making these choices to equal ed- opportunity criminals. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, except no black folks, right? Well, we don't do those kind of things. Well, they did. <laughs> they, he, <laughs> we that's what started him. Not black Yeah. Not Jesse Jackson Jr. He did the, he did the one. He yeah. did that one black woman, and that got good to him. And then he went, "Wait a minute. Okay, white yeah. people." <laughs> and wasn't that Kim Kardashian who <clears> pushed that? She pushed it. Yeah. 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 But so. she pushed it from, you know, the one, if you have to talk to that man, that's how you talk to him, celebrity. Yes. This ego. is a thing where you can get Stroke his good ego. press, yeah. and yes. I'm going to be there with you, yeah. and we'll do a photo op. And you'll look great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, a, and, and I know he's doing it tactically to oh, yeah. position himself in the presidential race. The presidential race is getting interesting, and I want to ask you, Sean Jay, what you think about the whole <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, please, pipe in anytime. Yeah, but my little take is, I mean, I'm interested in Mitt Romney because if Mitt Romney joins in as a Republican against an incumbent president, he could split. He's, I can't see him doing it. All these states have already – well, but all these states have already shut down their primaries, so he wouldn't even be able to run in those states. Oh, you mean he wouldn't for be the on primary. the ballot? For the primary, he wouldn't. Yeah. Well, and if he's not in the primary, then he's not getting to the convention. And if he's not getting to the convention, then – yeah. 
he could run as a third party. I'm wondering if Bloomberg is going to run as a third party. I mean, he got absolutely hammered during the uh, the debates. Oh, you mean people were unfairly <laughs> saying things about him? I saw your post. You had a post about him. I am getting so much heat about that. And I'm like, y'all, talk to me after the primary. And stop telling me that Elizabeth Warren is out of the race yes. when the two smallest states in the goddamn <coughs> union are the only white people, mm-hmm. the only ones who voted. Yeah. Talk to me after after Super Tuesday. Talk to me. So, Shandi, what do you, what do you <clears throat> think about this whole thing? Well, I don't really follow a lot of politics <laughs> for this very reason because it can get very heated and very mm-hmm. uncomfortable and very annoying. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, this whole presidential re- election, we focus too much on the presidential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my concern is, someone pointed this out the other day, is like if Elizabeth Warren gets president, we need her in the. We need her actually in, in, the, in, Senate. The, in the Senate. Right. You're right because that's where the actual work gets done. Yeah, right. the president doesn't really do shit. Let's be this right. Yeah. they're just a figurehead. The Senate and the the House, those that's where work. And, and does judges. Massachusetts still have a? If they still have a uh, Republican governor, that's who appoints the replacement. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So right. Yeah. We need we need good senators. We need good Congress people doing the work, and then like we need to vote for our judges mm-hmm. because that's where yeah. all the actual work. Yeah. But we get so focused on the president. It's important, but like we get like heated <laughs> arguments about it. Like, sure. Oh yeah. This it's like I haven't really said like who I like. Mm-hmm. I like Elizabeth. I liked Elizabeth from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. She was the only one who said things and and backed them up. Right, right. Whereas everyone else is all high in the mind. It's like, no, right. we're going to charge this, we're going to charge this. Right. Because she wants to charge rich people. Right. Yeah. And they're the ones who are in power. Oh, yeah. And they don't want that to happen. So right. They, they control the media. They put out little things. And I think she still has a chance. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, again, we right. lose her in the Senate. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and we would have lost Kamala in the Senate. Right. And we, we would have lost Corey. And these are people who actually can get shit done. Right. That's right. exactly yep. right. So I think we need to, like... I'm not a fan of Biden, right? But like, if we can put him as a figurehead, sure. But let everyone get the work done. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I just totally laugh at this good way of putting it. Good in your, no, no, I totally agree with you. And uh, and the folks who talk about Bloomberg, of course, people are poor. You know, like rich, richy rich versus richy rich. Did you, Did you get yours? Because I got mine. Yes, I did. A letter. A letter. I can't believe yeah. it. Mara <laughs> took a picture of it. I was at work, and Mara sends me this picture. Yeah. Says. Look who sent you a letter. Yeah, it's. I mean, he, the, the the audacity of it all. Yeah. I mean, is uh, it's amazing how tone deaf it is. But a lot of people are saying, well, listen, if it takes a rich bastard to win a presidency, or it takes a rich bastard to beat a rich bastard. Well, then, to what Sean was saying. Yeah. Instead of losing somebody else someplace else, mm-hmm. you go do it, and then you, because whoever gets in is going to have a fight. Oh, they're going to have oh, a yeah. fight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, in local news, we can get away from the national mm-hmm. stuff. Oakland Fire's uh, Police Chief. Um, did you hear about this? Yeah. Don't know why. Um, it was there was a um, um, lack of a vote of non-confidence. Uh, uh, vote of non-confidence. Um, yeah, <coughs> from the, uh, uh, the, the police, the, uh, the membership. Yeah, and, um, uh, and, and the mayor jumped in as well. And usually there's like an incident that happens. But mm-mm. I always wonder when you have a Not female. Not in Oakland. There isn't. We go through them like crazy. That's one of the reasons Jing Kwan got voted out mm. is we had gone through like three. Nobody was paying attention to the fact that we had gone through three with Dellums. Ron Dellums, yeah. Yeah, we, we can't hold on to a police ca- uh, Yeah, we can't hold on to a police captain mm-hmm. because we can't tell them what we want them to do, and they just end up taking flack from everybody. 
Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And so she was from Spokane, <laughs> wasn't she? Wasn't she the one that came down from Spokane? Washington. Washington. White woman comes down from Spokane, Washington to to come to Oakland. <laughs> they said that she did a really good job in Spokane of dealing with well, the I mean, community. How, how hard can that be? <laughs> I lived in Seattle for 16 years. We're talking very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, no wonder she couldn't do it. And really, you know, you're trying to get cops to treat, you know, citizens fairly, uh, especially our right. you know, black citizens. Right. And if they don't do it, you know, it's easy for a cop to, you know, listen to a police chief and say, well, well we're still under, one ear and out the other. Aren't we still under federal receivership? That's right. And I think that was one of the issues. So yeah. it was. They also gave her a thumbs down. Yeah. Um, what we need is somebody who gets the backing of City Hall, so you can't put them in the position and then not back them. Yeah. And then they got to make a strong effort to, to clean house. They really have yeah. to put these cops on notice that you can do better, you can be better. Yeah. And if you don't, then we're going to have a problem. Which and is, and, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Which Sean is challenging when nationally yeah. it's a problem. It's yeah, not something right. just in Oakland. It's, it's not our problem, yeah. right. Yeah. And that's what I was going to bring up. One of the great things about the Obama administration, I, I look at Ferguson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. It was really the first time a Justice Department looked at a a, 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 local. a, a police uh, you know, a force or a union mm-hmm. or a community and said, listen, if you guys don't clean it up, there is a system of racism here. Right. We're going to keep our eye on you. And that's what I want our next president to do because we yeah. don't have it in the Bush administration. Uh, oh, I'm well, sorry. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Our <laughs> next president is unless it's Elizabeth Ward. Yeah. Right. She has that focus on that. Yeah, no, you're right. They ain't concerned about black folks. They are folks. not. Yeah, <clears throat> it's unfortunate, but that's that's what I look for because you know that's one thing that I loved about o- Obama. You mm-hmm. know, a lot. Uh, sure, he did. He didn't. I'm a fan of Obama, but I'm sure there were things he didn't do. But right. one thing, he Ferguson, he he did focus on that. Yeah, Janet Dubois passed away. She was on Good Times. Oh, that's right. And wrote the theme song. And wrote the theme and sang the theme song for the Oh, she sang it. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. Moving on up. Oh. You didn't know that? I didn't know she sang it. For the Jeffersons, not Good Times. For the Jeffersons. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And millennials, you know, look on YouTube. You'll, you know, hear it or whatever. And uh, because everyone sings it. Everyone, right. you know, <laughs> but nobody knows who actually did it. But no, she's fantastic, and it's a shame that she passed away. And one last thing. So this is – okay, so a 15-year-old kid, Levi Norwood, killed his parents on Valentine's Day. He, Or at least he killed his mom. He killed his um, brother and almost killed his father. And it deals with race because on, he had a black girlfriend. He was a white guy, a white kid, mm-hmm. had a black girlfriend. The parents, or at least the father, was like, listen – you're not going to date no black girl. Yeah. He was so pissed off, he did that. So it's one of those things. I mean, you know, racism and just – So that's sort of a win in the black column? Is, do we count that I as suppose a – We're going to have a wash. Yeah. <laughs> that's extreme. That's bad. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 can't, we can't own that boy. Yeah, there's something else going on there. Yeah, it, it, it's a shame. I mean, it's a shame how – because I often, often wonder how racism is passed on from generation to generation. Oh. I always think that mm. the millennial generation is post-racial and – you see, been, and like your, like Dexter, you know, he right. has black friends, white friends, you know, it's, yeah. it just doesn't matter. But it depends on what, what family or what. Well, community that's you're I in. hate when people say it doesn't matter. It does matter. What mm-hmm. matters is making space and having a mindset that is inclusive. Yes. And that's what he he does, and you know, he's lived it his whole life. It's been great to see. Yeah. I'm still counting the days. <laughs> counting the days. He's 18. He's about to go to I college. Know. He will always be there. Oh, yeah. they're gonna go. Um, 
they're going down next weekend to San Diego State. My mm-hmm. folks live down there. Okay. And they're going to spend the night there one night. Mara has a gig down there. So they're going to go down Thursday, stay at my place, at my folks' place. Um, Friday is the gig, and there's a hotel room, so they'll stay there. And then he'll fly back on Saturday, and she's got another gig. Um, so, yeah, they're going to go down. As this is getting set up, he says, can I bring a friend? Oh, there you go. <laughs> and Mars says, well, you know, that's going to be like 300 bucks round trip. Um, do they have, you have a friend who's got 300 bucks round trip? He doesn't say anything. He comes back a day later. Could I bring Sabrina? Like, boy, you are not bringing a girl up into my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh, boy. You need to go down. And so, I, and she said, uh, Mara kind of broached the subject, and I immediately had that response. I was like, no. And I said, okay, but let, let me offer. Let me offer. Go down this time. Talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. Because if you get accepted, uh, the apparently San Diego waits till March 1st. Hmm. Other places have already, other, you know, the Cal College system has already send out notices. They wait till March 1st. So I'm saying go down now before anybody else knows they're going there. Take a look at the campus. Talk to my parents. And then if you get accepted, you can plan a little, if my parents say yes, which. (laughs) (laughs) Parenting. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't want to know about this. Yeah, I'll tell you, push. I mean, that takes balls to even ask. I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I, I was so glad that he was nowhere in the house because I just was like. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let's transition into uh, Sean J. West. Uh, let's get an origin story. How did you get involved in theater? Uh, when, wow. Where were you born and raised? Okay, so <laughs> let's see. Cliff Notes version. Born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh. Wow. Yes. Um, Midwestern boy. I left after high school. Okay. 1985. Siblings? I have three, uh, two siblings. One older, one younger. So okay. I'm in the middle. And a uh, single mom. Okay. And then I left St. Louis, joined the Air Force. Wow. Was in the Air Force for four years. Hey. Was this during Vietnam or no? Oh, no. The, I'm, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I'm only 53. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so not close. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> boy, got jokes. Uh, so, not, yeah, so left St. Louis, joined the Air Force, was in the Air Force for four years. Mm-hmm. That got me to California. Okay. I was based up, at a, based up in uh Marysville. Uh, uh, oh, Marysville. Yeah, Marysville, okay. first base so by Yuba City. Mm-hmm. And then that got me to Sacramento. Okay. Mm-hmm. I w- took theater in high school, so junior and senior year. Yeah. And so that was, I believe I was born to act, so that was just sort of like perfect. And then the Air Force base had a theater group. Oh, nice. So I was part of that. And then met a friend. We would audition in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Started getting work in Sacramento. They weren't paying actors then, so I can't really say work. Yeah. Mm. Um, so started doing shows there. Not even a stipend. Nothing. No, no, no. This was like 85, 86, 87. Mm. There was no such thing called as stipends back then. I hear you. Mm. And then got out of the Air Force, moved to Sacramento, st- still doing acting. And then that's when stipends appeared. It was like 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then spent think four years in SAC and then moved to Seattle Mm -hmm. in 95 because I'd heard they pay their actors there. (gasps) So I (laughs) went up there and just as I arrived, the theater scene kind of crashed. Oh. It was like 95, like right Mm -hmm. the recession or something happened. So I stayed and managed to get a nice little small career for myself, but acting wasn't as strong there. So like I started to direct Mm-hmm. Because the roles weren't, mm-hmm. you know, Seattle wasn't as, as diverse as you would hope it would have been. 
And then after 16 years, I said, you know something, I need to change. Mm -hmm. I needed more diversity. Mm -hmm. I needed hella better weather. <laughs> and I wanted more opportunities. So yeah. I moved down in 20, summer 2011 and to Oakland. Yeah. Fell in love. And then 2012 is when I started auditioning. And mm -hmm. ever since 2012, I've been acting or directing nonstop. Yay. Wow. So you've pretty totally. much had a job or you've been involved in a yes. uh, production yes. every single year. Yes. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. You and Norman, your career is sort of parallel. I mean, you know, Norman, you also went to the armed services. Yeah. Did you do theater in the armed services? Oh, yeah. That, that was my sanity, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it and really was. Because I, I thought I was done. I left, you know, you leave the things, the childish things alone when you become an adult. And I thought I was done. I got so bored within a couple of months, I saw a flyer on a, on a post somewhere, and I was like, auditions? Okay. <laughs> yeah, what's in you, you Bam. can't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you, after the Air Force, did you go, did you take classes, or did you just jump in? I just jumped in. I think I, I'm one of those actors who didn't go to school sure. and get a degree or any of that. I just sort of, my training was on the stage, doing any kind of mini workshops that happened yeah. around that. Mm -hmm. And I would say my training came from working with really great directors, mm -hmm. really horrible directors, mm. yes. really great actors, really horrible actors, mm -hmm. and learning what not to do and what to do and finding finding the, the authenticity. Yes. I think that has, for me, been the best training is being with actors who know how to let go Yes. and those who aren't always in their heads. And so that's kind of how I... Yeah, Norman and I, we've had a, a, a bit, no, I wouldn't say a debate or whatever, but we've talked about the, the merits of school. Right. Because I think we've come to the conclusion that if you have bad habits that you need to work out and you can't do it on your own, school it really is good for that. Yeah, but for yeah, those yeah, who have I natural, mean, yeah. But there's yeah. benefit to school. I'm not saying yeah. there's nothing, but I, yeah, I, I have strong feelings about Yeah. Yeah, I think it works. It depends on the individual. Like, I was not an academic. Mm -hmm. So if I had gone to a four-year college, I would have probably killed someone. <laughs> and I yeah. think that experience is great, yeah. but I've also, when I've worked with actors who have had that training, yeah. sometimes they are so in the process yeah. that they can't get out of it. Sure, sure. And so I think it's it's, it's a yin and yang. It depends on the person, I think, and what your goal yeah. is. Yeah. Now, as a director, I'm sure you've had to deal with actors who are either in their heads, or I'm sure you deal with diverse actors, especially if you've been doing it through the years, like you've dealt with millennials and Generation Xers or whatever. What are some of the conflicts that you have with dealing with actors? I mean, are there actors that you have a hard time connecting with? <laughs> How much time do we have? Thank you. You can edit this out, right? Um, I think for me, the ch most challenges I've had when directing an actor is usually, and this is no insult to anyone, mm -hmm. is if they have only done ma majority musicals mm. oh. and in and and a certain type of musicals. Sure. So there's like the traditional musicals like, uh, is it? Uh, Annie Get Your Gun. Annie or Get Your Gun or the Gilbert and Sullivan type thing. Sure. Oh, and so okay. an actor who's done those, yeah. when they come to me, I'm telling them, just tell me the story. Like, yeah. be, be in the moment. And they're being big. Or they're being mm -hmm. showy. And it's sort of like having them get the understanding that I just need you to be in this person. Right. And let this person's story show. Mm -hmm. And so those challenges usually come from those type of actors or actors who <laughs> who are so, I don't want, they're in their ego. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's all about I'm going to look on a stage. And yeah. they're not about 
building this the story with the other actors. Yeah. They're not about finding the truth mm-hmm. in whatever is being said. Sure. And that has been t- – I have had one actor, and I was doing this show directing him, and he turned his back, and he was doing something. I go – and I said, pause. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm batting. I was going, you're what? Acting? I mean, heard that before. He was back acting. Yeah. Right. And I was like going, I can't I've always used that as a joke. I, I no, never knew anybody. Boyfriend was serious. And I was like, boo-boo, I need to see your face. <laughs> right. Like, the yeah. audience is paying to see your face. Like, yeah. I can't get anything out of that. And so that was one of those yeah. that was def- definitely not a plus. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, there are, there are always going to be challenges when directing people because you're directing humans. Yes, and they bring with them their experience. Sure, other their all that baggage with yeah. them, and all the, any trauma. Yeah, and so you never know what you may say hmm. that will trigger someone. Yes, or what you may do. Or if it's, it's the scene. Yes, and you go, okay, something's going on. I don't right. know what's going on. Yeah, and then they may or may not be comfortable <coughs> in telling you. Yeah, Norman and I, we've talked about this, where you have to take off the director hat. And put on another hat because something is going on that has nothing to do with the show mm-hmm. because you've opened up a door or whatever. But the first question is, wouldn't an actor – I mean, if I'm a showy actor, let's say I've done Annie Get Your Gun or Carousel or whatever, why would I do a sham separate piece or why would I even audition or you know be brought into – Well, you want to spread – yeah. you, you want to expand yourself. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because I tell that to actors all the time. Even when I was doing musicals back in the day, I would always tell the, my fellow actors – do the straight play because that's going to give you some more foundation mm-hmm. on how to tell a story. Yeah, because right. if you only do Gilbert and Sullivan, and you may do it great, yeah. but then there's more, and you can that's actually right. inform more of it. Yeah. And I always tell actors who don't do musicals, do a musical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. As like, I am not a singer, but I'll audition for a musical, and I'm going, and it's the most stressful thing in the world, mm-hmm. but it gets me out of my comfort zone. Right. And so I think if you're just doing Gilbert and Sullivan, you need to do more. Unless that's all you want to do. Right. Sure. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I think most actors want more of a, a wide range. Yeah, yeah. And you should, I think. Yeah. I, I got invited to uh, direct an opera, and I said, no, one, because I had no experience with it, and two, I don't really know opera. So I look at some videos. And actually, I had done an opera with this person as um, one of the non-singing roles. So she's like, but you're a director, too. Maybe you could direct the next one. And I was like, what y'all do is stand on stage and deliver the song to the audience. <laughs> so if it's a love song, you don't look at the person you're in love with. You deliver the song to. That's what y'all do. I said I couldn't. I couldn't direct that. <laughs> I couldn't. It would drive me yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, presentational. <laughs> yeah. Um, have, have you? We've had a couple of directors on, and they've and we've talked about the business of directing. How do you audition yourself if you're a director? And sometimes that can be tough because. You don't give a monologue, you know. You sort of have to have the resume. Well, you don't. Yeah, you don't exactly audition. How do you? Yeah. Find. How did you? How work? did you break in? As it's a hella hard. Um, I was blessed when I was in Seattle. I was doing a show, and I was working with a company called React Repertory Actors Theater. Mm. And so the uh, the di- artistic director David Chad there was doing well, mm-hmm. and he was directing. Well, by Lisa Cron. Yes. There you go. Yeah. And he said, "I do you want to co-direct?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I knew it was, it was kind of bubbling in the back of my head that I wanted to, to direct, but mm-hmm. I didn't know how to go into it. And I said, sure. Dove right in it head, head first. Mm-hmm. And first rehearsal, he said he couldn't be there. Child, I had not read the script yet. Oh. Mm. Had not read it yet. And mm-hmm. I was like, because he 
the director. Yeah. Right. Well, I show up for the first rehearsal, and this is, I think, what gave me kind of my my skill set mm-hmm. as the actors were doing stuff. And I go, so why are you doing that? And it was just how it became my directing style because it's like if I had never read the script, yeah, mm-hmm. or had never didn't know what this is about, mm. how are you going to convey what I need to know? Right. right. And so that was like. That became my thing. And so <laughs> that was my start. And then Sis mm-hmm. uh, Productions, also in Seattle, mm-hmm. they do a, they did a cult classic called Sex in Seattle. Uh-huh. And it was like a, I hate to say this, it's kind of like Friends, but with an Asian-American okay. cast. Oh, okay. And oh, it was cool. a serial comic, serial uh, comic ser- series that read for 20 episodes. Mm-hmm. And they staged it. Mm-hmm. And the producers, I, had, I loved the show because mm-hmm. it was like, finally we could see different representation mm-hmm. and so they the producer says well sean jay loves this show so like why don't we and i'd auditioned for it and i think i was in one and they said well let's ask if you would direct and the great thing about them is when you are new to directing they partner you mm-hmm. with one of the producers okay. to assist you mm-hmm. so you're not just flailing on your own right and oh, the great good. the great thing is i had had the assistant directing with david and then with sis i had this uh, mentor right beside me, mm-hmm. so I had the ability to just fly, sure, and then get notes later, mm-hmm. yeah. and then just sort of like, oh, and it kind of built on that. And they were like, they they said that I am a, an actor's director, uh-huh. but because I'm an actor, I can see certain things that a director who just plain out directs doesn't yeah. see, mm-hmm. and I kind of pride myself in that that I have uh, actor speak, yeah, because I'll go to an actor, you're in your head right now, mm-hmm. and I need you to get out of your head. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so I have that ability, and I think that started. So I've been doing it for ten years, cool. going eleven, yeah. and I love it. It's a different aspect mm-hmm. of the process that I really, really enjoy. I will never give up acting because uh-huh. right. I think that's what I was born to do. Mm-hmm. But the directing side is also storytelling, and yeah. on the different side, isn't it? And yeah, I love both of them. It's, it's 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 you know we had Susan Evans on, and she's the artistic director for Town Hall Theater, right. and we had her on. And it sort of, having worked with her, and I worked with her when we were a part of the company EastEnders, the director is, is a creative as well. We don't mm-hmm. see that as the audience. Right. But really, you're painting the picture, and it's all through the lens of the director, yeah. you know, the pictures that we see. Mm-hmm. And so I had to sort of look at the director as sort of not just a person, you know, managing a bunch of actors on stage or whatever, but, you know, you're, you're making a statement. You can think of it as an artist with a brush. Yeah. So the director has a wider brush stroke. Than the individual actors. Yeah. The individual actor may have this area of the painting, mm-hmm. this one, this area of the painting, whereas the director is weaving all throughout all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the background that you can't even see, right. the sound, and it's very intricate. Yeah. And I love that aspect because I know when I was an actor, I'd mm-hmm. be on stage and go, why are we doing this? <laughs> what the? I would say it. I would yeah. be thinking it, but right. I would go, why are we crossing over? So I think I had an innate ability and mm-hmm. a drive to do that. And getting gigs is hard because it's basically you don't audition, so you have to kind of hustle yeah. and mm-hmm. send in ideas to a company and go, hey, I'd love to direct for you all. Here's mm-hmm. some shows that I would love to direct. Right. Yeah. Uh, I have been lucky in the sense that my reputation has preceded me, so folks mm-hmm. will recommend me yeah. for a gig, which I greatly appreciate and if you're listening please yeah. continue to do I, that. I will say this as an actor who's has has you've directed I really appreciate your direct approach you know you're very no nonsense you sort of cut the fat there are a lot of directors who sort of over talk to try to say well listen I need to let you know what my vision is or whatever and I'm like mm-hmm. listen 
if I if you need me to point be pointed in a different direction, just tell me. You know, mm-hmm. different times where I'll go in one direction. You're like, no, t- just go in this direction. Not necessarily because I've got the wrong, you know, I've got the wrong aspect or idea, but maybe just to adjust the the stage or whatever. Right. Yeah. And it's different depending on the piece. I think when I directed you, it was short. Yeah, that's right. And we had very limited amount of time. That's exactly right. And we had to be in and out. And that's when I get really structured. Yeah. And it's sort of like I have to come up with a concept, blocking in a short amount of time. So it's there's very little room for like, okay, you ain't got time to explore, boo-boo. Mm-hmm. Right, so exactly. we got to get in and out. <laughs> right. And so that's – you experienced that, so sorry about that, because that's really <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, it's practical, and we knew what was going on. Right. Playwright Center, and I compare, you know, because Ronica Rao, we had her yes. on as well, and you know, Ronica is more into, hey, so let's explore, let's do this, let's do that, and of course, there's no real time right. for that. And I appreciate Ronica as well, and we talked about, you know, just the for a woman, it's it's tough because you know, if you're in a very, um, if you're in a system or a company that may not respect, you know, the way that you do things. Sometimes you need to talk about that before. You know, at least yeah. you could say, hey, listen, this is how I work. Will mm-hmm. this work? And you can see, say yes or no or listen, you know, we need to just cut straight in. And with you, you sort of observed or you saw exactly what's going on here and what you need to do. Right. And I'm – people who know me well know that I'm very <laughs> – I call myself bossy pants. Mm. I, don't, I don't come in and I don't apologize anymore. I think I did that in my early 20s. I would mm-hmm. come in. I would be quiet, surprisingly. And I would observe a lot, and mm-hmm. I'd be one of those people who'd be observe, observing and go, in my head, I'm saying, I should say this. I should say mm-hmm. this. And then they don't say it. And then later on, I would say, and they'd go, why didn't you say something? Right. And so I don't do that anymore. So yeah. like when I walk into a space, I don't apologize for being outspoken, mm-hmm. direct, mm-hmm. black, gay. Mm-hmm. This is me. Right. right. It's like my ancestors have already paid those dues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I walk into the room with there all of go. them. There you go. So mm-hmm. I don't – and I wish we would do that with our women of color and all women in general that see them as whole. Yeah. They come with all that experience. Mm-hmm. So we don't need to like – but men have to check themselves. Yeah, And right. we have to check each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's that matter of like Radhika and then um, – oh, my gosh. I'm going to blank on her name. She was the other director who I worked with. I think it's Carol. Apologize if I got your name wrong, but like she had the same problem, like mm. working with the male playwrights. Yeah, they wanted they give her all these notes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get that. Yeah, mm. and so I thought, hmm, I can see that. Yeah, right. And it's not just the playwrights, but it's actual the people who run. Right. To let them know, hey, listen, this is the structure. And this yeah. is what is so, what we need. It's mm. an interesting. And be very clear. It's an interesting structure. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. And things like that just happen. But I just wanted to say I appreciate the direct approach because I appreciate the actor's director. You know, you know the language. You know how to speak directly. And sometimes we need to just be told, listen, go here, go there. We don't have time for that. Boom, just do that. Right. And, and that's sort of what, what I need. I've had mm-hmm. a lot of – there was one director who really didn't instruct me at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I got a little irritated. I'm like, I, right. don't, I don't know if I'm doing right or wrong. Right. Tell me something. Exactly. <laughs> you need that feedback. Yeah. 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 And I think for me, I I try and make sure I'm, I do the sandwich is what they say. It's the positive mm-hmm. and then what needs to be improved mm-hmm. and then the positive. There you go. Mm-hmm. So that it's sort of like, oh, you're doing great. I just need you to da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And you da-da-da. And yeah. so I think that helps in some instances – and I do know there have been instances where I'll, I'll get an actor, and I will be very specific. Mm-hmm. And they'll go, I don't know what you mean. Right. And I'm going, I was just very specific. How did you not do that? <laughs> <laughs> and I, then I realized I was being too specific. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so you right. have to still leave room 
for the creative aspect sure. of the actor to come through because yeah. they don't want to just they don't want to be a robot. Yeah, and I I totally get that, and I think for me, I will say I need to I need you to find yourself stage right mm-hmm. by this line. Right. Yeah. However you get there. Right. Be on the because I'm painting a picture. Right. So they don't know that. Right. But they'll go. Well, why do I need to be stage right? And go. You got to find your motivation. Find your mo- if I tell you your motivation, right. then you're doing it just because the director told you to. Right. Exactly. And yeah. maybe I want you to bring your skill yeah. to this. Now let me bring you in, Norman. Mm-hmm. How do you get an actor? Let's say an actor's like, well, how do I? How am I motivated to go stage right? I mean, how do you nudge them there without telling them? Listen, just do it because it looks good. <laughs> I just so I, and I should have mentioned it before. Um, I did last Monday night playground. Oh, directed yes. a piece. Uh, Christian Wilburn, I, I have to call him out because um, is a piece called I'm Back, mm. and it's Michael Jordan playing baseball, and the ghost of his father appears Ooh. and convinces him to go back to basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been, you know, I'm not really giving anything away. It's a short piece. Yeah. Um, I read the script, and I thought, hmm, flat. And, you know, and boring, because it's a piece of history that if you know, yeah, you might be interested in it. Yeah. This isn't adding anything to it. And if you don't know it, there's not enough there, not enough time, really, to build yeah. it. So then I did what I always do as a director. I'm like, okay, I'm already committed to doing this now. What can I right. adjust? So I only asked for a couple of adjustments in the script. And one of them, he said, oh, that was just – I." The last thing is a speech, and it said it was Michael Jordan saying, Michael Jordan did blah, 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 blah after this. And I'm like, can we have the other guy do it? <laughs> He's like, oh, that's who it's supposed to be. I'm like, yay, I'm so glad I'm in your head. Hallelujah, because I don't want to fight with a playwright. But the other part with the direct with the actors was, well, one, I had to figure out staging. I did sort of just lump them where I needed them for my stage picture. And then I had one poor actor who played the ball. He was the pitcher, but he played the ball. And he had to do this slow-mo thing hmm. three times. Strike one, strike two, strike three. He had to cross the stage. So I said, so number one, we're putting you way over there. And then you were going to do a slow, you're going to do the pitch. And then you just follow the ball slow. <laughs> and that poor bastard, he found it. He totally did. But, oh, man, I was like, this is about nothing more than I need you to not have too much tension in your arms. So we're not watching this. But every time we look at you, we need to see this ball slowly traveling. And, you know, that was what the playwright set up. There are moments in the conversation, because otherwise it's just a conversation between two people, really. And what am I going to do? It? They can't go anywhere. They can't really move around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it becomes the text. So I really, and, and those obvious things like, is this the first time your character is saying something like this to this other person? Is this something you've been wanting to say for a long time, and this is your moment to say it? Um, and then there were a couple of little jokes. One of them was he's talking about how he'd gotten to the point in basketball where he just felt dead. And the ghost says, really? Really, Michael? Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> this is what dead looks like. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and, and so yeah. they they knew it because they read the same script I read. But I think, like me, they just sort of skimmed through it. And I was like, that needs to land. You need to make sure that you give that as much energy as you can so that that response means something. And the other one is, I'm not, I, 
I am trying not to have hate in my life, but I hate sports. I hate, hate, hate sports. If sports didn't exist in this world, it would be a better place as far as I'm concerned. But when you got a joke about how somebody is not the greatest baseball player because they're batting 202, we got to hear batting 202. So when the actor first did it, he was like, batting 202. And I was like, I need to hear batting. I need you to make sure you hit that word. It was the biggest laugh of the show. And he was like, oh, my God, how did you know that? And I'm like, um, because I was sitting listening to what you were doing, because I'm looking at the script, and there are only these little moments, and that's all we got. If we miss any of these little moments, this thing is going to be a pancake. And instead, we won, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. We won, Christian. That's why I wanted his name in this. We want they um, there's audience vote every month mm-hmm. on the six pieces, and we won. We were number one. Mm-hmm. By like, the way, oh. when are the submissions? Because I've got some pieces I've written. So um, what they do is they get a cadre of writers for the season, uh-huh. and next month is the end of the season. So I guess submissions will start coming up soon. Okay, I got to plug that in. Um, yeah, I'll, but, I'll remind you. Sure, but um, yeah, but that that notion of as director. How do you deal with difficult? You know, what I learned a long time ago as an actor is some of the most difficult actors I have ever seen have given some of the most amazing performances I've ever seen because the director was smart enough to either let them go or manage them as they are. You can't, you ain't got time or her, you know, I ain't got enough energy in my soul to Mm -hmm. contend with somebody when they're just going to dig their heels in. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, you don't know because someone gives a good audition and you're like, okay, well, I don't know who this person is and I see their resume. Okay, boom. And then all of a sudden you get into rehearsal space. It's like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I trust auditions less and less. Oh, honey, yes. Because <laughs> someone, and that's why when I do an audition, I don't do monologues. Mm-hmm. I don't have, because you've worked on that monologue forever and ever. Right. And if they do do a monologue, mm-hmm. I always typically have them do it with some adjustments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which always throws them. Yep. Because they go, you want me to do what? Because they've done it their way forever. Sure, right. right. And so I'm going, this is how I see if you can take direction mm-hmm. on something you've been working on that yeah. you are committed to. Yeah. Right. And that's a clear sign when they go, if they do it, and see if they do it with resistance. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I go, okay, that's someone I don't want to work with. Mm-hmm. Because you, you don't want to take direction right. on something that you're committed to. Yeah. But also with auditions, the scary thing is, I always... Um, there's always at least one actor mm-hmm. where you've cast and you go, what the fuck? Right, yes. <laughs> and it's, it's, sometimes it's a small what the fuck, yeah. and sometimes it's a big what the yeah. fuck did I do? Like I got to yeah. adjust it, this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it could change the whole thing. It the whole thing, and then you, your, approach is, has, your approach has to be different. you got to put a lot more energy in this person, mm-hmm. than, and this person actually needs your energy. Yeah. And it's, it's – I don't I, – I run people through the ringer in a sense mm-hmm. during auditions because I need to know – we're going to jail, yeah. Mm-hmm. most of all, and that you're going to jail with the, your fellow actors backstage. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because I've been part of shows where someone's doing something and everyone hates them. Right. Yeah. And it changes the entire energy of the show. Yep. Yeah. And you just want to be done. Yeah. 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 And it, it, be, it can be a great story, but you want to be done because of this experience with this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that one person gets kind of swallowed up yeah. by all the good folks. Yeah. And then they either have to level up. Yeah. Yep. Or they shut up. Yeah. And then that's, that's kind of cool. But it's it's always a crapshoot. Yeah. I was well, going to Go ahead. That to me is one of the most amazing things about directing is it is. You get you get what you get, yeah. <laughs> and now you got to make a show. Yeah. And if you're smart, 
you start making adjustments to your expectations, or like you said, I'm going to have to give a lot more energy to this. We did Four Men in Paris and... (laughs) Written by yours truly. Yeah, and I loved trying to figure out how to move the story forward. And so making actors do stuff where they didn't have a clue why I was doing what I was doing. But I'm like, I'm trying to set up for the audience that this is this part of the story or this part of that world. And so that's why I need you here and I don't need you over there and... And I need you to just get out, or I need you to stand still when you want to move and just do it because, not just because I'm telling you to, but honestly, if you just do it because I'm telling you to, it's going to tell the story (laughs) I want told. (laughs) And if you can find some way to make it work for you, and I have to let go because you are making it work, I will let go. But I love, that's, you know, it always excites me because, like I said, with this last script, I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And then just with focusing on a few things, pop. Yeah. And I was like, and that's not me. I mean, that's me bringing what I bring to it. But I also know there was enough structure there for that to work. Yes. And I had beautiful actors who just ran with anything. Their physicality when they actually did the performance, I'm like, I can't take no credit for that. That is y'all yeah. acting. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Before we get into uh, sugar in our wounds, because we want to talk about that. Yes. How do you deal with new – because working with a p- established piece like Shakespeare or Sham Shepherd or something like that is one thing. But working with new pieces like, let's say, the Playwright Center or Playground, mm-hmm. you may be working with playwrights. And I've heard you talk about this, Norman. You, sometimes you have to talk with the playwright to say, what do you want to do here? I mean, what, mm-hmm. where is the piece? Is the piece in development? Are you seeing what works or what doesn't work? Do you see it as an established piece? Or do you sometimes have, I don't know, fights or whatever with the, <laughs> the playwright because they expect one thing and you're like, no, 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 no. I know where you're going. Uh, <laughs> you ain't slick. Um, <laughs> you smooth right now. Um, so I think I've had varying experiences. Yes. So like when I in Seattle with Sis Productions, all of the pieces were original. Cool. Mm-hmm. And so what they would do is they, they would have one writer. Mm-hmm. They would come up with the concept. The writer would go and write it. They yeah. would come back and they'd workshop it, yeah. mm-hmm. get notes, go back again, write it, come mm-hmm. back and do that. Mm-hmm. So that was my experience with yeah. these scripts. Which, yeah. I, which I think would be the best thing because you worked out the kinks. Yeah. Yes. And then there was a final script before the actors came into it. right? Yeah. Mm. And then okay. they would do it. If there were any minor things, then mm. they would change. And I love that. So that was what I came to with like, yeah. the Playwright Center. So when I join, I'm coming with that concept, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you've already workshopped most of this. It's already been through a couple of iterations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We good. Maybe they do. I don't know. Right. Some uh, do. Some, some don't. don't. Yeah. So my experience with them, so like there have been several instances in which I would get a piece. It's 10 minutes. And I would, first you sit down with the playwright. You go over, so what's your objective with this? What story are you telling? What, what outcome do you want? Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and then I take that. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of lead that into the into the work mm-hmm. and then i forget about it mm-hmm. like i forget i probably to my detriment i forget about the playwright because mm-hmm. now i'm telling the story mm-hmm. you have written a story and you're letting me give it life mm-hmm. so i now you don't become invisible but you're not my priority the story right. is right right, right. right. yes right. Exactly and so right. i'm telling the story and, and there have been instances in which my interpretation of the story might be slightly different than that of the playwright mm-hmm. but that's what happens Right. Like if this if this were a published work mm-hmm. and it went out, yep. you would have no control over that. Right. right. And so part of my job, I believe, is to prepare you for that yes. as a playwright. Yes. Oh. So that 
you know that mm-hmm. you only have a limited amount of control. Right. And especially that's the director. Yeah. Then you bring actors. So they're going to bring their stuff to it. Yep. And so you want to see that blossom. Because I think one of the best things I've had with the playground was one show that I directed. I think uh, I won't say her name because I'll say it wrong. She did a piece and she saw it. She's like going, oh, my God. There were things in there I didn't even know were there. Mm-hmm. And that's because the actor brought stuff to it. Cool. I saw something. And she allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. There was another playwright who didn't like what I did, but it's like, you wrote it. Mm-hmm. That's what you wrote. Right. <laughs> and then when I did it, you were like, well, can you have the actor stop that? I went, that's what you wrote. Right. And that playwright missed the point that you were actually, actually telling the story there, that if this person is doing this, but the other person isn't noticing it, yeah. it means that that person's gotten used to it, mm. which means that's – but if you take that out, yeah, you miss that. So it, it's um, – it's been an experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, short plays for me, I, I've stopped doing them for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I, I was about to. I was uh, seriously. I was about to invite you to play cafe because I, I love your sensibility of it and the feedback. It depends on what it is. Sure. So I think maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a <laughs> one evening, it's a one evening <laughs> commitment, so right. it's not more than that. Right, and it, and I think it also depends on the company. Right? Yes. So I think I had my challenges with that particular company, and because of I don't know if they prepared the playwrights. Significantly exactly, enough exactly. to go through that experience, yes. to know that here, hey guys, yeah. this is what this is going to be. Yeah, and that's where I come from. I come from that lens of I'm going to take this piece. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it life. Yes. If you're so bogged down in this one word mm-hmm. or this line, it takes away from the overall yeah. piece. And I, I think that has been my challenges. And so, and then you know they have it in their head. They see it. Yeah. And it's kind of set. And I want them to like. Yeah, I always use the analogy of if you give your child over to a caregiver, right? Why are you going off to work? You can't, you know, micromanage how someone's going to take care of your child. I mean, if it, it oh, is your child. Try, like you can. <laughs> well, yeah. Hey, how, how's he doing? Uh, uh, <laughs> like, well, he just got off the toilet. <laughs> he just wiped his butt. Yeah. Uh, now he's walking out the door. Yeah. Like, and I think there are some people, and I understand it. Like yeah. it's their baby. I yeah, totally right. understand it. I right. think it's, just, it's the preparation of yeah. this is what do you want to get out of this experience? Yeah. But the baby will never grow if you continue to micromanage. You got to let go. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one like I think about Foreman in Paris. That's scene three three, where you just got on my case, Norman, mm-hmm. about hey, this scene isn't working. This right. scene isn't working, and I was like, well, it's and and you made because the actors weren't getting it. And you weren't getting it, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and you forced me to. Hey, listen, if you want this thing to work, you've got to finagle it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I understand how you can live in your head, but you have to be like, hey, listen, I've got to let this thing go and give it to other people. Other people need to be part of this collaboration, right? And I've got to trust that collaboration yeah. and just let go. Yeah, I, it's the best compliment and the most humbling compliment I get from playwrights is, so Norman did this thing with my play, which. <laughs> immediately just sets up that this was something they weren't thinking about or expecting or maybe didn't think they wanted. And I was so surprised. I didn't realize that was there. And I'm like, that's my job. Your job is to write it. And you don't need to know all the ins. I don't know every bone in my body, but I use them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, yes. and that's all I'm doing. I'm looking for the bones. I'm looking for the structure of what you gave me. And where something seems out of place, I'm going to come at you about it. Yeah, there you go. But I'm also going to go, this is happening. This is part of that world. And I want to make sure that the audience knows that because it's something 
that's going to make this live. It's going to make it really vital. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about Sugar in Our Wounds. What's it about, and how did you get involved in the new conservatory theater? Oh, honey, honey, mm. honey. How much time do we have? <laughs> um, so I have been auditioning for NCTC, New Conservatory Theater Center, for like eons. Right. And I hadn't had the opportunity to be cast. Mm-hmm. And so this time last year, there was a show called Steve, and I auditioned and I actually got into it. And so by that, I was in it, and then doing rehearsals, and then there was talk, you know, like, as we all do. So what do you else do you do? What else do you do? And the uh, production manager, uh, Stephanie there, she had heard that I directed. Mm-hmm. And so that made its way to the artistic director. Mm-hmm. And then they had this piece, Sugar, sitting on their docket for mm-hmm. the season. And so and it's a – so Sugar in Our Wounds is a gay love story set during slavery. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so it's a tough era, uh-huh. and but the story is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think when they were looking at directors, they wanted – I think they wanted someone black American. Yeah. Let me ask you this question to, to, to interrupt you. Does it deal with William Dorsey Swan? William Dorsey Swan was the first – I think it happened in the 1880s. Well, actually, that would not be during slavery period. The first person to advocate for LBTQ rights is part of American – black African-American history. Oh wow! Didn't know that. Yeah, oh. bad on me. And no, this 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 one t- takes place. No, they don't teach that one in school. No, <laughs> of course. There not. you go. 1863. Yes. So um, and so it's a love story set during slavery by these two men who fall in love, and the life that happens when they come together. Mm. And for me, when I got uh, approached to read for the uh, read for the piece to be considered for directing it. The moment I read it, I was like, I have got to direct this. Mm-hmm. I have got it's like I was like, whatever I have to do, I will do it. Mm-hmm. And so they connected me with the playwright. So it was like an interview process. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spoke with the playwright who is Donye R. Love. He's uh, I don't know if he's still in New York, but was in New York at the time. And we had a conversation on the phone and I you know, I said things and he said things. I said, I need to direct this. Mm-hmm. And I need to direct this because <laughs> the ironic thing coincidental thing is that I had been thinking about black gay men mm-hmm. during slavery like oh, for a while like yeah. do they think we weren't there mm. were we mm. invisible like we were right beside everyone else being traumatized raped and everything yeah. and so when this piece came up I went finally yeah, finally we're not invisible anymore Yeah, and so getting this piece getting and then getting the gig because he spoke to uh, the artistic director and then I got the gig, and so we we auditioned early last, uh, I think it was June or July. Mm-hmm. We cast the show. I've got a stellar set of actors nice. that I am so happy to have. Like when I read the script, there was one person I had in mind the mm-hmm. moment I read it, and he was able to actually come to the audition and be cast. So that was like <coughs> when you get your cherry, yeah, honey. Trust me, that was like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then so just. Filling out everyone else around him mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. been great. And so we start in a week and a half, and the piece is just beautifully written. And the great thing about what Donye, the playwright, did was everything takes place by a, magi- a mystical tree mm-hmm. and, are, and either in the shack. Mm-hmm. So you don't witness or experience the actual trauma mm-hmm. of slavery. It's like there are no one being, there's no one being whipped, no one 
you don't see it. Now, you know it goes on. Sure, sure. But mm-hmm. you don't see it. So he, we don't see black bodies being traumatized yeah. on stage yeah. anymore. And not that it's necessary. I mean, you know, you right. mentioned slavery. You mentioned 1863. We know. We know, yeah. we know the enslavement of black Americans happened. Yeah. And so what I love about this piece is that there is a love story. There is a family that is born out of circumstance mm. because of these uh, because of slavery and the beautiful love story and yeah. I think that for me is great we had our promo shoot just this past Wednesday and the two male leads were we went to Baker's Beach mm. found a tree had them posing and it was just beautiful it was just right, sort of like right I could see the instant chemistry I could see the moments that are gonna happen mm-hmm. and it, it's it's I am, I've been thinking about this piece since July, mm-hmm. so it's been with me for a while. So it's nice, like to know this point. I've got to let go, yeah, because I don't want to get too bogged down in what I see it as, yeah, mm-hmm. and wait for these actors, these creative, wonderful people, to come into the room and mm-hmm. bring to life things that I may have missed, yeah, or may have like, oh, I don't need to do that moment I was thinking about because they've done that, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. <coughs> the set design is. Oh my God! The set design. I'm like over the moon for the set design. And which space is it in? It's in their smaller space. The uh, one all the way back to the, the left. The walker. So not the back back. So when you come down the stairs, and the, the w- one straight ahead. Yes. Sort of. Yes. So okay, there's that, the decker, yeah. which is the bigger one, and then mm-hmm. right across is mm-hmm. the walker. Okay. So yeah. It's like a little more intimate. Yeah. yeah that sounds perfect for what you're doing. Yeah. And I. It's. I can't say enough, and I can't say too much, Ooh. but, like, it's a beautiful well, love can story. Can you say your cast? Or oh, no? my cast. Okay. okay. So, in the role of James, which is the lead, is Charles Peoples III. Mm-hmm. Henry is played by Ramon Thomas. Aunt Mama is played by Belly Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And then Maddie is... Oh! Oh! I love her. Which one? Belly. Belly, yes. I was oh. like, oh, I thought Charles A. Payne. Yes, Belly Solomon. I've worked with Belly several times. Been ever I, I have not gotten to work with her in decades. Yeah, and so. she is, yeah, oh, my goodness. She's my wifey. So we mm-hmm. bonded. We yeah, I, I knew you guys. Yeah, we were in a, uh, Mary Wise of Windsor. Oh, Mary Wise of Windsor. Okay. And we just bonded. Uh-huh. And so, like, she's like my wifey. We would spend hours in the car talking mm-hmm. after rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um Sorry, digress. Maddie's played by April Duchel. I, can, mm. I can't pronounce her last name, but okay. April Duchel, wonderful young actress uh, who also sings. And then uh, Isabel is played by Nicole O'Dell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, I haven't, so I said Nicole, April, Ramon, Belly, and Charles. So it's a five member cast, and I am looking forward to them all coming together yeah. and just seeing, because I, their personalities, and they're all talented. Like, mm-hmm. They all sing, or in Valley does spoken word, and it's mm-hmm. like they're all. And it's just, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I cannot wait to peel apart the layers of this with these beautiful. Well, give up Belly a hug for me, please. Oh yes. my gosh, yes. that, that, oh. it's wonderful that the new conservatory is bringing on you know this this incredible great story because it is a story that we don't hear right. all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and I, I commend them for that, and I commend them for re- realizing that a black American needed to direct it. Right. Yes, because uh, I think a lot of times our stories are told. Through a white lens. Yes. And the greatest thing about this is it's written by a black queer mm-hmm. playwright, mm-hmm. directed by a black gay man. Mm-hmm. And and though it's in a, a white theater space, they mm-hmm. are they have supported it in a way in which because I was like I need a black I need a black design team, mm-hmm. I, you know. And when we were yeah. able to do that, mm-hmm. we were like, but not wow. everyone was available. Yeah. But that was like one okay, of my. Okay, now I want to know who your design team is. That was one of my things. I was like, oh, I, I need. 
a design team in a college. Mm. Just sort of like mm. because we often go into theaters mm. and yeah. it's a black or it's an Asian show or it's, it's a Latino show, yeah. and everyone on the production team is white. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay. Right. And There's us folks and y'all folks. Right. <laughs> and so the good thing about this is they were open to it. And, and so, like, I had people that I had recommended. Some weren't available. Mm-hmm. But I was happy to get, like, my sound designer is uh, Brittany Millerson. Mm. And then Daniel, uh, he was on your show. Oh, Dan Hall. Yes. Daniel Hall. Daniel yeah. Hall. Daniel so, Hall. Daniel Hall. so they're both doing sound. Yeah. And so, like, I have, a, I have a woman of color, a black woman, and then I have a man of color. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is great. And then um, I have a Latino man doing uh, lighting. And then my costume designer is a black woman, Carita. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claudio is uh, my lighting designer. And then uh, Devin is a white guy who does my <sighs> set design. Uh-huh. But it's great set design. Right. Yeah. So, like, I was like, okay. You get a token. You. You get I, can't a token. I can't fault you. Okay, you, you're good. <laughs> no, no, that's fantastic. And diversity is actually what we needed. And we've, I've, I've sort of hammered, we hammered one director who was like, do you think about diversity when you're talking casting and whatever? And he was like, no, not really. And then he asked me to delete that. But so I'm glad that yeah. you, did you oh, do that. That's, 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 that's for me because our world is diverse. Right. Yes. And not only in the landscape, like in our skin, but in like in our, not just in our experiences, but like, like trans and gay and straight right. and That's right. right. It's all of that. And like yeah. when we walk, when you, if you don't see yourself represented, it kind of says, am I here? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I think we're all here. And we yeah. Need that. I wanted to ask one quick question before mm-hmm. we jump into shout outs and all of that stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm so glad to hear about the story of um, Sugar in Our Wounds. So there was an article on Facebook that someone had posted. Uh, I think it was, I forget what the show was, but it was a... Um, a, per, a piece dealing with a person of color directed and written by a, a woman of color and she made a, uh, an announcement that she only wanted critiques by uh, a person of color. I kind of remember this. Yeah. It was like reviews, like yes. reviewers who come to see my show. Yes. You don't get to critique my show uh-huh. because you don't have that, I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. yeah, right. you don't have the experience of this show. So come yeah. and see it, be an audience member, yeah. great, right. but don't critique. Right. How, do you, how do you guys feel about that? It seems necessary to me. I mean, I, I think in some perfect world, you don't have those restrictions, mm-hmm. but we don't live in a perfect world, and our world defaults to some really fucked up shit. Yeah. So, you know, we need to kind of clock people or educate people that mm-hmm. before you open your mouth, I mean, I love, um, on Twitter, I follow a woman who calls herself the feminist next door, and she's just beating up misogynists left and right, which is great. And she'll say, and one of the things she pointed out was male people, male users of Twitter are five times more likely to get their stuff retweeted than women are. Women's voices just don't get lifted. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, yay. Um, so I'm lifting your voice. And, and I, I, it's funny. Sometimes I will just retweet so I can make a big comment. And sometimes I'll go into comments because I'm like just trying to ask you what how you feel about this and i'm like well there are times when i honestly will avoid retweeting you i'll go back to the source material of what you're talking about and tweet it from there because i don't want to send that energy towards you i know some jerk is going to get on and immediately attack you because you're a woman saying this i'm going to mm-hmm. take that heat but i'm also going to admit that's a bit of privilege right. me doing that and you know Feel free to clock me for it. Yeah. yeah. This is from The Guardian. Uh, mm-hmm. A playwright once only critics called to review her. Here's what our own critics think. 
the indigenous artist is Yolanda Bono, and uh, that's and I'm not going to read the whole article, mm-hmm. but one can say, is it reverse racism? I mean, what do you think, Sean Jay? Well, I don't believe. Well, there's no such thing as reverse yeah. racism. <laughs> uh, racism is a power dynamic and a power <coughs> structure. Yes. Right. Just want to say that. Uh, I think it's it's challenging because the thing is, reviews unfortunately are what gets butts in the seats. Yep. Yeah. And so if we don't have any reviewers who are reviewers of color, yeah, then that doesn't happen. Right. right. So I think the challenge is finding reviewers who are, if they are white folk, that they are aware mm-hmm. of that fact that, oh, I'm watching this piece. Example, Sugar. So when a white reviewer comes to see Sugar, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an enslaved play, right? So, and, and it's gay folks. So there can be some folks who have an understanding of what they think sl- slavery is, right. and they can critique on what my direction of it is, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. They go, oh, I don't agree what Sean Jay did with this because that wasn't the case. But did you do all your research? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think you can critique, I, I believe you can critique people of color's work, mm-hmm. but you have to critique it with the lens of you've done your research, mm-hmm. you've done your homework, mm-hmm. and you cu- you're coming from it at a pl- from a place of like, not going, oh, I'm not from this background, but Mm-hmm. That blah, doesn't blah, 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 that blah, doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, right. You need to own that <coughs> as a, and exactly. therefore, I am right. limited in what right. I can say. And so right. But even if that's in the reviews, like I don't understand why they did this, but I liked it. It's like that doesn't help. That's not a helpful review. Right. So in essence, maybe you shouldn't be reviewing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if every one of your statements is I don't understand this, well, I, I, I can't see where they're coming from. Well, then you shouldn't be reviewing. Yeah. I think if you can be a reviewer who are, who is white who can sit down and review a person of color's work and go and open it to the human experience. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can relate it to that, yeah. then we're great. Like, going, oh, wow, I was really moved by this. Mm-hmm. I was da-da-da-da-da. The acting was da-da-da-da. The direction was this and that. The set design was this. But when they go into that really analyzing critique, right. that's where I have a problem. Yeah. Because you're not coming from it from that experience. Yeah. Right. That's when I can agree with this person. Like, mm-hmm. No, you don't know anything what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And now you're critiquing elements of the script or from the story yeah. of the choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're going, this was, I didn't understand the story, but I understand the emotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I understand the, the relational conne- the connections that they were doing and the loss. <laughs> that, because we can all relate yeah, to loss. Right. Yes. Well, or, or own that I, this made me feel. Yes. And what is that about? There, that's where you have to get careful. Yeah. Don't turn it into language that sounds like you're a- analytical about your feel. This is your feeling. This yeah. made you feel. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what that, that is? Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. know what that's about, or can you own that? Yeah. And the reviewer has to understand it's not about them, the reviewer. This right. is about the play. Yes. Yeah. And if you're honest enough to say, listen, this is outside of my, you know, like I couldn't critique, you know, let's say what it is to be on a farm and you mm-hmm. know being a farmer because I'm because I'm not. So well, there's a gorgeous play, and I have not seen or read mm-hmm. it, but I'm curious about it. That was done at Ashland a couple of years ago called Manhattan, mm-hmm. and it's um, a Native American woman who has become a lawyer in New York, and she's with a firm that deals with property stuff, um, and they're running into some historical issues over indigenous people there. She is Native American from Oklahoma. Her people are dirt poor. And there are issues happening there. So here's somebody who climbed up from poverty, made it, is 
in New York, mm-hmm. and yet she's still got to deal with issues of identity, plus dealing with the whole history of how New York evolved. Both these things are in the play, and I'm like, wow, how do they do that? And if they are really trying to bring some sense of that culture to this story, I am probably not going to fully understand it. Now, the, your job as a theater artist is to make something strong enough so that that structure won't let me off the hook. Yes. <laughs> Keep me entertained, but also make me go, question, question. I got I don't feel comfortable with this. I'm not happy about this, but don't blame the play for that. Exactly. Yes. I don't know why you're uncomfortable. And own up to it. It's like, oh, I'm uncomfortable because ooh, my people benefited from this. Mm-hmm. I'm uncomfortable from this because I haven't done anything to stop mm-hmm. it. Or, right. Or address it. Mm-hmm. Right. That, to me, as a reviewer, is more real. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I was really uncomfortable watching this show. Yeah. And you're supposed to be, yeah. 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 No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I do want to toss in one other thing sure. that we kind of glossed over in uh, current events. Um, there's a beautiful article in the Chronicle um, interviewing Sam Hurwitz, the local critic. He's a freelance critic mm-hmm. um, about AB5. Oh. And so if you haven't seen the article, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And it talks about also the Chronicle. The woman writing it um, yeah. says... Lily, is that her name? Lily Yeah, yeah. She says, I may be the only full-time theater critic in in the Bay Area anymore. Mm. Um, and so she really went to went there with Sam about what it is to be freelance. And, you know, he, he's coming with numbers. I made this much in 2018. I made this much in 2019. And already this year, I've been impacted in this way. Yeah. And she did a nice job of framing it in the context of that. And then the other piece of this that I just saw this morning, just I just saw the article headline, I didn't get to read it, was saying that it looks like the state is about to scrap it. Oh, there because you Because there is, so if you have not <coughs> called your representatives yet, please <laughs> let them know how this is impacting you. Because me, I do art, it impacts me there. I do theater, it impacts me there. I do teaching, That's it right. impacts me there. Um, there are, actually my, te- no, there's one of my teaching jobs, one of my jobs, I am an employee. The other one, I'm not, even though I've been there 20 years, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they're going to get dinged and I'm pretty sure it's going to make them go forward going, maybe we don't want to do this program. It's happening a lot. So, yeah. One quick question before we jump into shout outs and because mm-hmm. we've got the one hour mark. I know. <laughs> Um, AB5, I mean, money-wise, I mean, are you, are you being affected by gentrification about AB5? I mean, as an artist, are you, are you staying afloat? Well, I am blessed that I have a day job. Ah, me so too. my day job is... I, I saw your tag here. Yeah. I was like, really? Yeah, so I, my day job is working at California College of the Arts. Okay. And I landed that job when I moved down here. Mm-hmm. And so and I've been with them since. And I think that has afforded me the luxury and the ability mm-hmm. to do my art because mm-hmm. otherwise you know <clears throat> I don't think I would because a lot of companies the stipends I had this discussion with another theater company it's like y'all need to work on your stipends mm-hmm. like because that's nothing right yeah. and and I felt bad offering people roles because mm-hmm. it's like you're yeah. getting you're getting yeah. this it's like and, the, and all the work that's entailed in it so you got the transit you know and all this it's right. like they're paying to be in that show. So right. I am lucky in the sense that I have a daytime job that pays me well enough mm-hmm. that my artist stuff is just cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's, it pays for, you know, like, oh, but I'm one of few. Yeah. Right. Like, like the folks who are like, their full-time job is 
acting or directing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That hustle, I'm not there, thank God. Yeah. I know it's real. But even the yeah. organizations you're dealing with are going to get they're going to get stuck on this. That stipend thing, AB5, that was one of the things right. it went after. If you can't justify these numbers, you can't just be giving people money and not call it a wage. AB5, got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. And I think people, and I think, you know, Celia, Celia we had Sylvia Cratton's on. She wrote the letter mm-hmm. to the, right. uh, oh, right. to yes. the representative. So I think a lot of people, I think our representatives are understanding. I think she's the one who hit me and said, <laughs> I think your representatives are my representatives. You should get in touch with these people. I was like, thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, shout outs. Birthdays. Ooh, I'm I got a thing up for a show. <laughs> Birthdays. Come on. There we go. Um, and fortunately, there's times a year where I'm like, nine months ago, people were getting busy because there's too many damn babies. <laughs> this is not one. I'm going to skip one because I'm sure you're going to do it. But uh, Brian Herndon's birthday is coming up soon. He is a major Bay Area actor and um, one of the, I'm not sure if he's official or unofficial, but uh, liaison with um, Equity. Mm, Wonderful okay. guy. Um, I remember the first thing I ever saw him, and I'd seen his name for years. And I finally went up and saw him in Little Shop of Horrors somewhere, and I was just in love. I was like, oh, my God, you are everything that I've been hearing about. Um, Edward Webster, who goes by Eddie, I think, um, is an actor I got to do um, Lobby Hero with. Mm -hmm. Um, It had been done at the Aurora, and then a producer picked it up and took it up north. (laughs) And I got picked up when they remounted it, and I got mm. to work with him. Uh, Matthew Quinn, I'm not sure what he is doing now. He was major in small theater in San Francisco for a while. He was involved in um, producing and promoting his birthdays this week. Lily Tung Crystal, who yeah, was... There we go. Oh, did you have her, too? <coughs> I didn't have her, too, but that's okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, she's, um, she's she in wasn't, she Minneapolis wasn't now, right? Yes, yeah, she is. She was in Ferocious, Ferocious Lotus. Yeah, she started Ferocious, Ferocious Lotus. Ferocious Lotus, yeah. And we had her on, one yeah. of the best guests that we ever had. Yeah. Thanks to yeah, you. Yeah, her birthday's coming up. Uh, Wilma Bonet, um, Bay Area actress, Latina powerhouse, mm-hmm. um, director, actress. Uh, Genevieve Jesse McCall, I hope I got that all right, mm-hmm. um, is a, I met her as an actress, and then she started writing, and mm-hmm. then she started doing more with her writing, and I hear now she's gone back down to family, I think in the islands, I, I'm not real clear on that, somebody just told me that this week, hmm. um, Eric, EJ, yeah. Gibson, Gibson, right on, yep, who we yeah, had man. on, he's a member oh, of yeah. Ubuntu, yes, very much community activist, and yeah. so it's so funny because there have been a few times where I've tried to get him in projects, and he's like, his vision. He knows what he's yes. trying to do. I respect that. Jeffrey Beer, uh, one of the treasures of the Bay Area. Well, he was a treasure of the Bay Area. Now he kind of goes back and forth. He moved back east. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing director, amazing teacher, um, just an amazing soul. He's one of those that when you walk into that first day, and he wants to get everybody on their feet, he's like putting hands on people and really wanting to make a connection and just doing simple things. And you see his brain. You see the wheels going in his brain as he asks you to do something like a rhythm exercise or just a simple vocal exercise. Mm -hmm. And then he says, yeah, and you see him stop to stew on it for a minute or two before we move on to the next thing. Anytime I get to work with that man, I'm thrilled. Uh, Lewis Campbell um, was running the multicultural, multi-ethnic, I think it was called Multi-Ethnic Theater in San Fran. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what he's doing anymore because I haven't heard anything about them in a while. And those are all my birthdays for this week. <laughs> all right, and I'll run through mine. Uh, Melissa Mbambuis, we had her on. She's oh, a, yes. a local actress. Uh, we shared the stage. Uh, it was Grey Gardens. 
and uh, she's fantastic and total wonderful. Very, you know, every, every now and then we get people on the yay, and they open up and they talk about their own personal lives. Right. And she was a survivor of cancer. Oh right, yes. And uh, so and it was spoke well about story. it. Yeah. Yes, it spoke very well about it. Um, of course, your wife Mara Fox for birthdays today. Yeah. Uh, also today, Manny Cabrera. Uh, he is a mm. Bindlestiff actor, a oh, Filipino okay. actor at Bindlestiff Studios. As a matter of fact, there are a couple of folks from Bindlestiff whose birthdays they are this um, week. Yeah, this week. Yeah. So his birthday is today. Uh, a mentor of mine, Kelsey Colley, um, I only had a brief teaching stint. I taught at uh, summer at the Houghton University Children's Theater, Hucked, mm-hmm. and Kelsey ran that. That was in 88, 89. Uh. And uh, he's still doing it, and he's still rolling strong. Wow. And uh, so that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. 85 years old, believe it or not. I can believe it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I need people like that. I'm aspiring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tomorrow, I'm going to try to pronounce her name right, Misty Ann Loetturo. Uh She is a uh, – I'm not sure she's acting anymore, but I shared the stage with her. When I was in Eastenders, we did a thing, oh. 100 years mm-hmm. of this and that and the right. other. Right, yes. And we did 100 years of um, sex acts. I was going to say, that's the <laughs> only one that ever sticks <laughs> in my mind, 100 years of sex acts. <laughs> and uh, she uh, – there was a wonderful Lorca piece called Don Perlin Plin. And that was a Commedia dell'arte thing, and she was the uh, muse uh-huh. and oh. really, really beautiful actress. And mm-hmm. uh, so she, her birthday is yesterday. What, I'm sorry, uh, tomorrow. Also, uh, Conrad Panganaban, yep. uh, a actor, playwright, and in, uh, uh, playwright. He's a very uh, prolific playwright mm-hmm. uh, at Bindlestiff, and he's been doing other uh, other places. And a very warm soul. Warm soul, yeah. He's fantastic. His birthday's tomorrow. Also, another Bindlestiffer, Alan Byron great Filipino actor and mm. comedian. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Lily Chung Crystal from Monday. Also, uh, Sarah uh, Korda. Uh, she, she was an ex uh, not Bindle Stiffer, but an ex-Eastender. Uh. And she and I shared the stage. We did uh, Carol Churchill's Far Away. Mm. And that was part of 100 years of political theater, mm-hmm. way back when. Um, on Wednesday, someone I graduated with at Duke Ellington School of the Arts, Leslie Delane. Mm-hmm. She's a uh, actress and also a ballerina. She studied dance. Wow. And uh, still has a fierce body, even at <laughs> at the age of 50. Okay. So, Leslie, happy birthday to you. And uh, Friday, Matt Hohensey. <coughs> so, the quick story I'll tell about Matt Hohensey, we eyed stage manager Bat Boy oh, right. uh, for Ray of Light Theater. And mm-hmm. we had to fire our musical director because he was getting drunk and he was hitting on the women. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Matt Hohensey came in at the last minute to direct musically direct bat boy wow and so he jump into that yeah <laughs> all right shows um black comedy at the douglas morrison theater i don't have a dates but yeah alan coin he's alan in that Coyne, i know i just saw um dean Al- <laughs> no, Green Green. who is also in it yes that's right she's got her hair cut so i sat down next to her she's got her hair cut and she was getting ready for one of the things for playground and yeah. she glasses and all this stuff i said you look like alan coin mm-hmm. <laughs> that's by design i don't know what the it was show was all about yeah. uh white boy uh-huh. white guy on the a bus b8 are you seeing it yay yeah i'm i'm really curious um uh diana is diana lauren jones oh my god you know she's fairly new to the bay and they just picked her up for the summer i oh, not supposed to say that yet oh. Oh, i didn't say that um yeah yay Oh, that's that? Okay, yeah. so um, <laughs> <coughs> along with that, you're in I don't town. know that they've officially announced the cast yet, so I'm like, okay, I can't say no. Oops. 
you're in town uh, at the Spreckles Theater that I- that opened on Valentine's Day, and it closes March the first. Anna Yoham will be in that, and she was a um, she um, was a, uh, a guest on the A, and she's in the show. The Cherry Orchard opens uh, February 27th, ends March 21st. Tom Riley is in the show. Uh, she, he was on the A, and also Susan Evans is directing it. That's at the Town Hall Theater. We mentioned White Guy on the Bus. We mentioned Black Comedy. Also, The Forgotten Empress. Now, this is a show. It deals with uh, Indian uh, theater, and Radhika Rao is, um, is narrating it. Oh, cool. And so that's uh, sort of Oh, a and this is the one with the intimacy coach. I believe so. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That'll be at the Hammer Theater. That's in San Jose. Oh. February 28th, 29th. I've never even heard the of the Hammer Theater. I know. And, but also, also premiering at the Z Space. Oh, nice. Uh, March the 5th and the 6th. Wow. That's a big deal. And I will have links for that. Mm. Uh, Tiny Beautiful Things. I'm stage managing that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's coming up. That's a plethos thing. Uh, yeah, we begin rehearsals Monday. So we open April the 10th through the 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Violet the Musical. Uh, Stephen McCloud told us about that. Uh, that'll be at the Town Hall Theater. That'll be May 28th, June 20th. Mm. That's way, way far away. But I want to prom- uh, promote that. The Quality of Life. That opens March. So, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. Um, the Quality of Life at the Altarina Playhouse. March the 20th through April the 19th. Our good friend Kim Donovan is in that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know Kim. Yes. Small world, huh? Yes. <laughs> and the last thing I have is uh, Steel Magnolias. Uh, that is at the Chanticleers Theater. That opened February the 7th. It closes March the 1st. Our good friend Cynthia Lagodzinski and also Jamie Struby, uh, both have been guests on the Yay. They're in the show. What were you going to say? Uh, I wanted to make sure. Did you mention Cherry Orchard? Yes, I did. Okay, Town sorry, I was looking down when you <laughs> did. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is, um, so I bumped into Monday Night Playground. It was kind of fabulous. Margot Hall shows yes. up and sits down next to me, and I'm it's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, and this other black woman gets up, and, hey, Norman, I haven't seen you in forever. <clears throat> then she emails me. Her name is Chris Hambrick, and she invited me to come be interviewed Thursday night. So I went. Um, Laney College has a radio station. Who knew? KGPC, and so I'll get a link to that when they get it up, but they do, um, I forget what she calls it, sort of a soundtrack thing, um, where you come on, you give them a list of songs, they talk to you, interview you, and they play these songs. Oh, sweet. It was kind of twisted, but fun, (laughs) but the connection was just strange, because I was like, I haven't seen her in years, and um, knew her because I did a training at the Peralta Historical House. And she was part of that and then became part of the staff there and then went off in the world and is doing other things. And she's involved with, um, what's that show? Snap Judgment. If you ever hear it on, um, it's on one of the NPR stations on Saturday, like around this afternoon. Um, and she's working on that, too. And I was like, well, look at you. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure I got the shout out for that. So some other shows. Please. Yes. yes. So there's uh, The Trial with the African American mm. Shakespeare Company. Oh, oh, I heard about that. It's yes. this weekend and next weekend. Okay. It's a wonderful, I would say wonderful. Like Who directed it? Uh, directed by Sherry Young, Young? the artistic okay. director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it tells a story about, just go see it. And then Ubuntu. It's not the Kafka? Kafka? Uh, Kafka. Kafka wrote a short story called The Trial. I don't think so. This is, it's a two, two act, and it's like the... It's a longer title, mm-hmm. but it, okay. I saw it. It's really well done. And mm. then Ubuntu's Macbeth, yeah. And so we're not in a theater. Oh well, 
I always say it anyway, but people go, Sean Jay, don't say it. So, <laughs> no, I know. I try to be respectful, but I, when I know I'm not in a theater yeah. space, I feel like I can okay. say it. Nothing tragic has happened, so. Yeah, <laughs> so that one, because of Lawrence Spencer's in there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Sean, did you enjoy, enjoy, enjoy yourself? Yes. I know I kind of rambled up a lot. No, no, we, love it. We, we, love, we love the ramble. Yes. <laughs> we love talking about theater. I love talking about sugar in our wounds. And uh-huh. Well, and we don't get directors to really talk much about process so yeah thank you yeah. and it shows you feel comfortable I, I love I love this shit like I tell my people I love this shit acting directing I love theater uh-huh. it's just it's the life's blood there you mm. go and you do a fantastic job so yeah. <laughs> awesome alright and our next guest I might as well uh, mm-hmm. do, do the A so our next guest will be a uh, talented actress Angel Adeduncan uh, she's okay. a African American actress and I met her we did a we did a um, <coughs> stage reading of Lynn Aylward's um, uh, play, mm. and uh, we actually did that at the um, the San Francisco Library. Mm-hmm. And she's fierce, she's fantastic. She's a young actress. She's a millennial, and we'll have her on. Yeah, I was I was getting worried. We were in February. We we're in Black History Month, and we kept not having black people. I was so happy to see you today. Yeah. So. Um, it's it's tough. I mean, we get we can only get we, we get can what bring we in. get. I know. In any case, uh, you can listen. Well, you're listening. Go ahead. <laughs> Belly. Yeah. Uh-huh. If we can get we can oh, get them on, I would love if she'd be doing willing yeah, to do it. I'd love to it. have her on. Belly, listen to this. You're doing it. <laughs> right up, please, please, please bring them on. All right. Well, you're listening to the A already, but you can tell your friends. You can listen to the A on any podcast. Uh, you're all already listening to it now. We're on uh, uh, the Apple Podcast app. We're on uh, we're on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the SoundCloud app or SoundCloud.com. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes. Just click on iTunes. Click on Store. Use the search engine on the upper right hand side, and you'll find us. The and you don't cre- have to pay anything. That's right. You don't have to pay anything. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Sean Jay, where can people come find you? I'm on Instagram, uh, Star Sean Jay. Star mm-hmm. Sean Jay, all right. And uh, that's really it. So, yeah. you know, I yeah. have a presence there. And then also on Facebook. So. Yeah. Now, is that, what is that, Instagram? Instagram is Starshawn J. Got it. Okay, well, I'll put that on. So anyone's looking for a great director, great actor, you can't go wrong with Sean J. Thank you. <laughs> I need to come here more often. There you go. There you go. Hey, the door's already always open. I mean, I've been trying to get you for a long time. So well, he's been talking about, about it for a while. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. And, and we got to get up the side off. And we're out. Bye.